This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Chip Patterson joins us. Cover 3 podcast. Can I express my disappointment before uh, before we start here? At Chip underscore Patterson on Twitter. So I was very excited. National Signing Day is not something that generally grab, grabs me and says, Adam, you need to immerse yourself in it. So sure. Cover 3 podcast uh, drops, and I'm driving in this morning like, perfect. My son's got headphones on. He's listening to something else. Uh, and I'm like, I'll listen to Chip talk to me about recruiting. And no offense, but Elliot's awesome, but he's not Chip Patterson. Well, your affection is um, is, is heard, received, and appreciated, but it's so much better than me faking it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, can I right. string together words and sentences to take up the amount of time necessary for us to accomplish our task? <laughs> yes. But are there people who live this and breathe this 12 months a year and when they are available, I I do think there's some value in just letting them nerd out, you know, than having me be somebody who has to play keep up. Now, when we're right. talking about recruiting headlines in all of the other 363 days of the year, then, yeah, let me be the, <laughs> the listener's guide and, you know, asking the dummy questions, trying to get us to the big picture stuff. But at the conclusion of two signing days and a huge cycle, I was like, man, y'all y'all can just dive in and nerd out and talk about all your favorite players because this is one thing that Bud like truly does. He's the he best. goes to all these camps. Yeah, he's the right? best at it. He sees these players with his own eyes. He, mm-hmm. he formulates his own opinions. And so, um, yeah, I was a part of the national signing day coverage on the 24-7 sports wall-to-wall uh, sort of you know, YouTube channel mm-hmm. exclusive. Uh, during the day, but when it came time for the for the wrap up, so, <laughs> you guys got this. <laughs> so let me. So you know me. I mean, it's not my thing, but I know people are 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 curious about it. So uh, trying to keep it local, if we can, ACC ish. Uh, did anything change from the signing day that happened a month ago uh, to yesterday? And ultimately, how does it stack out? How does it stack up? Uh, the, how did the locals do? Did Clemson restock? Did Florida State, you know, reestablish their dominance? All of these cliches. Okay, so the number one story from the ACC perspective is that Miami, you know, they lose Cormani McLean. They don't right. end up getting Jane Rashada. They still finish with the number one class in the ACC and a top 10 class nationally. Wow. Um, and they did this losing or firing their offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, even a couple days before signing day. And I think it speaks to Mario Cristobal, who uh, for three to four months out of the year, I find myself questioning, you know, where he's at in terms of the ranking of coaches, the way that he handles Saturday afternoons in particular. (laughs) I kind of give me some head scratchers from time to time, going all the way back to his time at Oregon. But it is undeniable that he is one of the best recruiting head coaches in the entire sport. Uh, There was a great comment during the coverage yesterday where 24-7 sports always lists like your primary recruiter. So if you're a quarterback, it's probably the offensive coordinator. If you're a defensive lineman, it's probably the defensive line coach. And the comment was Mario Cristobal could be listed as the primary recruiter for every single guy in this top 10 class because that's what he does. He pours himself into it. 
I think there's a lot to be pointed at in terms of like, okay, Mario, well, right. now you need to go and get it done this fall because if you go five and seven again, you're not going to get another top 10 class. Kids are not going to jump right. on board what you're selling. But I think that Miami is one of the big headlines in the ACC. The Clemson Tigers loaded up on the defensive line. They've got a new defensive line coach, not this year, but last year, a guy named Nick Eason, former Clemson Tiger player. I don't okay. know if you might remember him, I but don't. he uh, – he showed up and he has done a great job of restocking what I think is, um, you know, one of the most slept on important position groups in the last 10 years of ACC football. Because mm-hmm. while Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were tremendous, they don't win those national championships without Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, yeah. Cleland Earl, uh, Austin Bryant, even. Yep. I mean, the defensive line and the way that they cr- made that a dominant group. Um, was really important to Clemson's climb. And that has been one of the big things that stood out to me about Clemson's class. Still didn't see any wide receivers. That was still a, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, we're still kind of waiting to see if, uh, if they're going to be able to get back to where they were in terms of both bringing in blue chips, because remember Sammy Watkins was a blue chip player. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins more developed into a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Artavis Scott was a blue chip player. Deion Kane was a blue chip player. The the wide receivers is still leaving T. something. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins is a blue chip player. So Clemson's right behind Miami with a group that's great on the defensive line, and they got a new quarterback in Chris Vizina, who I think is going to be a good fit there. Florida State is interesting because they've got one stud, a five-star wide receiver named Hakeem mm-hmm. Williams, and winning that recruiting battle was big for Mike Norvell. Because when it comes to recruiting out of high school, Florida State hasn't been awesome in the Mike Mm. Norvell era. They have been able to uh, supplement that with great transfer portal additions. Remember Jermaine Johnson Mm -hmm. picking him up from Georgia, Jared Verse going to get him from Albany. He's become such an important player. They've gotten guys from Oregon. You know, they're pulling them in from all over the place, developing what has become a really impressive roster heading into 2023. But this is the last year that I think I can look at Florida State's high school recruiting and say, like, okay, well, you know, that'll improve in the future because now we have on-field results in a 10-win mm-hmm. season. And so you want to see that switch over just a little bit. North Carolina with a, a pretty solid class. The thing that stood out to me, uh, there was a, a wide receiver named Culliver who a lot of people are excited about, 6'3 guy, in-state guy. They got a good running back in the class that you know they're big fans of. It's very much a North Carolina Mac Brown class and that he went to Mecklenburg County and he went and found the best skill position player they got. And boom, <laughs> you're coming to play for North Carolina. Tad Hudson is kind of the name to know that you've got right there in, at the quarterback position. Seemingly, and the guy's been committed for three years almost, so he, he is believed that he is the next in line behind your Sam Howell, behind your Drake May uh, for being the next quarterback there at North Carolina. And then you get into uh, NC State, you go down into South Florida, and you're able to get Fagan. That's awesome. You know, you're, right. you're very ex- excited about that. This is a group where – you're you're hoping that they continue in the line of, of being able to push this NC State program forward. Those are the things that that probably stood out to me at least ACC and locally. Uh, oh, Wake got a Wake got a wide receiver. A lot of people are excited about. He's a three star. I'm sorry I forgot his name, but sorry. when I was talking to all my people again, it's like a. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how uh, you remember any names. Well, Adam, any because any of them because it's still Thursday. 
And as I've told people before, I admittedly did not have a great attendance record in college. (laughs) I really, really worked to be able to rectify the accumulation of knowledge before the final exams, because often the final exam was a situation where you got to get this to get this. Like a target. So uh, National Signing Day is very much a cram session. And uh, and like those cram sessions in college, I'll flush it and I'll see you again in two years. Because the the college football is so, I mean, as a physical game, it's hard to expect freshmen to come in. Like Mm. some freshmen will come in and be good, right? There's some. Uh, and I know there's the cliche that the closer you are to the ball, or the further you are from the ball, I think it is, the better you are. The the easier it is to be, I don't even know what the cliche is now. Uh, but it's hard as a freshman to come in, true freshman, and have an impact because, I mean, you're playing against people who are two or three years older than you. And even at that age, that is difficult. There aren't that many people who are ready to do that. Um, could you argue that you'd be better off concentrating on the portal than you would be in recruiting out of high school? I cannot argue that if you want to be set up for real long-term success, if you are a new hire, then that's just what you got to do to be able to, because then no one's going to sit around and wait for you to develop and build up a group. But if you really want to, um, if you really want to establish uh, uh, culture, <laughs> no, no, I, I, look, I, I, I talked about the hurricanes for ten minutes already. It's all about culture. I, yeah, I, so I'm con- a culture guy. Continuity is the other word that I would say because, like, the lessons that you're able to teach to that player when they are a freshman. And then also go down into the next group and they spend all that time together. The twos and the threes are going up against each other in mm-hmm. practice. When they become the ones and the twos. They begin to trust each other. They begin to establish bonds. Adam Golden studio with my man, coach Pete Deruta capital financial advisory group. I was on your website and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites termites in the financial world are risk fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio. You don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you call, we'll put together for you, your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call triple eight, eight, four, three, double O 13. Or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Georgia did not take a single player from the transfer portal heading into the 2022 season, and they did okay. Right. Um, well, here's my here's my point. For a, a school like Georgia uh, or Ohio State that we know, is, uh, unless they're mismanaged, that they are going to have great players, and it is about continuity. But there's only about eight or nine of those schools in college football. For but if I was a coach, like if if I had all of my dreams, or you know, if, the way that I would want to do it is, I would come into a job, I would use the portal, I would create instant success, I would take that success mm-hmm. to the recruiting trail, and I would try to get high schoolers to commit, and that slowly we would move from focus on the portal to focus on high school recruiting, with the idea that we have created real program longevity and development in being able to, uh, like, man, I love the programs that get old and stay old. Well, let me me use the example of a Duke, all right? 
Duke yeah. had a really good year last year. So uh, Duke, at best, they're going to go out. You know, maybe they'll get a four, one. You know, a four star recruit. Everybody else is going to be two and three stars. And you're just guessing at this point. Now, some people are better at it than others in terms of I see the potential in this area. I mean, why wouldn't you just go load up on like adults, known commodities? I I know I saw this guy play. I can put him here. He can do this at this level rather than and maybe I only have them for one or two years. But if you can create that and be good, I mean, I don't know why you, you I mean you're you're turning your roster over basically every other year anyway. Why wouldn't you just do that? Well, this is a, a great you just took me somewhere which probably answers your question and sort of where my tendencies lie in terms of personal taste because Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator for who Dave Clawson at right. Wake Forest and Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. It, he probably is looking like he is looking of course for physical traits. He of course mm-hmm. is looking for, uh, you know, your talent, your ability, but, but man, he just needs to know where your head's at. He needs, he needs to get the OKGs. I don't think that's a cliche. Right. Uh, okay. OKGs means our kind of guys. Yes. A lot of coaches talk about them and what kind of guys they are. That depends on what school you are. And at, for Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, he needs to go identify someone that is going to love being a football player at Wake Forest and love the process of building out their body because there is not a weight room across the entire country in high school football that can match what a Power 5 strength and conditioning program, what a Power 5 nutritional program can do to physically change you. And with all the physical transformation that you undergo throughout your time in college and with the teaching that the really good coaches are able to do, then in that sense, yeah, you want to get the guys that just have the right mentality uh, to the way they're approaching college football. It's why there are very, very talented players in this recruiting cycle who even some of the best programs and coaches ultimately did not work hard to get into their classes because they did not like the mentality. And other programs, which are maybe a little bit more desperate for four stars and five Mm -hmm. stars, they might have overspent. They (laughs) might have overused their resources. Overspent? Because because they want to, uh, you know, up their level of talent. So, I don't know. It's such a people business. And that's what yesterday really drove home for me. It's coaches have to do their evaluation on tape. But the one thing that we really missed during the the COVID lockdowns in terms of the recruiting Mm -hmm. side of things is coaches didn't get to know these guys and these guys didn't get to know coaches led to a lot of really bad fits. And one of the reasons why I think we've seen a ton of uh, transfer portal activity at all positions um, here in the last couple of years. All right, I got two things I really want to get into. There's more. I know I texted you a bunch of topics we were going to talk about. I want to talk about ACC schedules, and I want to get into the fact that Urban Meyer can't count. We got to do that. Uh, Chip Patterson is here. He's wearing a hoodie, which means he doesn't have to go rush and be on TV uh, in uh, in a few minutes. So we're going to talk about those Bob two things. Hoodie. Oh, look. Sh- oh, Charlotte gosh. Bobcats. Yeesh. The excellence of a seven seed. The pursuit of excellence to be swept by the magic. Is that the worst nickname that we've had in professional sports, Bobcats? No. There's too many other no, there's too many other Bobcats. In professional sports. Oh, in prof- I, it in professional ties, sports. 
He ties in with the Panthers. It's fine. Okay. All right. So let's talk about ACC schedules. The schedule release day was on Monday. And I this is an annual for me. Somebody's going to have to explain to me why the only one of the Power Five conferences that is ridiculed for its level of football. I don't know why we don't really ridicule the Pac-12. Uh, Big 12 had a bunch of teams that were okay. TCU hit it big, ended up beating Michigan, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, they've been Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma gets crushed, and then we make fun of Big 12. But the only league that gets ridiculed is the ACC. And yet again, 25 non-conference Power 5 matchups. Why? Nobody cares. They only care about your record. Why are we doing this as a league? Oh, you want to improve the perception of the ACC by scheduling easier. Well, you don't have to schedule easy, but you don't have to do this. We're talking like Boston College doesn't have any Power 5 games outside of the league. None. Zero. That shouldn't happen. Right. It, it shouldn't happen, but they don't. According to their the schedule that I saw, none of their uh, non-conference games are Power 5. Um, they have. I guess they didn't have Notre Dame this year. I, 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 that's what I was. What I wrote, I wrote down everybody's power five. Uh, everybody, right? And they they didn't have one. They somebody maybe somebody uh, backed out. Uh, like NC State's non conference schedule: Connecticut, Notre Dame, VMI, Marshall. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like if you beat Notre Dame, great, but win all the others, your record looks better. And nobody cares anyway at the end of the year. We only care occasionally. Why can't the league get this? I allow me to speculate recklessly. Okay. Please. I think that in the non-conference schedule, as college football continues to become more and more of a media property with the decisions being made by television executives – these non-conference games are like boxing matches and they require some level of hype or some level of interest. And much like boxing matches, there are some boxers who are going to be the punching bag. Tomato cans. And unfortunately, the ACC happens to share a geographical footprint and a time zone and an audience interest television market map. With the SEC. So schedule and, like them. And if you stretch it out like that, the Big Ten. And I think that, you know, the ACC finds itself signing up for a lot of these opportunities where it might not benefit the ACC because the ACC is, I guess, your your challenge is like, why are you punching out of your weight class? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you're doing that for the check. I mean, I don't, but here's Boston College's non-conference schedule. Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, at Army, and UConn. Those are their four non-conference games. Did UConn join a Power 5 league that I don't know about? So you think that's a good, that's got to be somebody backing out, by the way. I'm sure sure it is. Um, But, like, for Boston College, that's fine. Go win those games. Good luck. I mean, I hope they can win all four of those games. Georgia Tech, who already is playing Georgia every why, year. Why are they playing? Why are they going to Mississippi? Ole Miss. Yeah. What? Why? What? Why? Why? 
half of the schools in the league, their goal should simply be to make a bowl game. Why would you go and add non-conference games that you're not going to win, especially now for Georgia Tech? I'm baffled by this. And if I were Jim Phillips, I would be knocking... I don't even know who the AD is, is at Georgia Tech right now. I'd be knocking on his door going, what is wrong with you? You're not going to win six games when you're automatically going to lose two right out of the gate. Like, some of these schools are going to lose three. So are you more frustrated by um, the challenging yourself in non-conference opportunities to which you you are likely not going to be favored to win and may not win? Or are you more frustrated with, and I think Jim Phillips did say something about this, scheduling road non-conference games against group of five teams? Virginia Tech at Marshall after losing at Old Dominion last year? Yeah, that's on my mind. Yeah. I I I don't know how good Purdue is, and I don't know how good Rutgers is. So Virginia Tech might win both of those, but... I mean, I guess they have to, right? I guess you have. You, maybe it's a two for one deal. You have to get. You have to give them one to uh, to get to. I mean, you know, App State's a good enough program to get uh, a big school to come up there every once in a while. So I understand it, but holy cow, I don't well, understand what back, Pitt's doing. Well, to go back to the beginning of your argument, the reason why nobody criticizes the Pac-12 is because the Pac-12 doesn't have a title contender. Like nobody picks well, apart this year the they did. Nobody picks well, apart the strength of competition in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 hasn't been part of that conversation. This has all been a Clemson college football playoff era issue, mm-hmm. and because and it is honestly built in because the ACC spent most of the BCS era falling on its face in all of its BCS games that the ACC was sending its champion into a BCS bowl game that wasn't the BCS national championship outside of Florida state and Florida state at the beginning and end of the era. Right. And for the most part, those teams were falling on their face. And during that exact same time, the SEC ran off seven straight national championships. Like the arguments that we are having, the perceptions that you're fighting against were ingrained of a, over a decade of ACC sending its best teams to the biggest stage from a larger perspective and that team falling short. Like Oklahoma. What was Oklahoma's record in uh, playoff games? 0-4. Right. And just get, get run. <laughs> Constantly getting run. Yeah, I mean, TCU. Notre Dame was getting run in, in their playoff appearances and BCS appearances. Getting crushed. Right. And we criticize every year. They talk about how Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. Even though Notre Dame secretly got a really tough schedule, no, they do. I mean, look when you don't have a, when you don't have a conference to fall back on, it's hard to play a great schedule. Uh, but I, yeah, like Notre Dame schedules traditionally have been. I mean, there were a couple of years where they were a little bit lower, you know, l- less daunting than they had in the past. But I think for the most part, Notre Dame is doing the best that they can uh, with their schedule. And I frankly, Notre Dame schedules have been hurt recently because Southern Cal and Stanford, which are always on it haven't been all that good. They used to have Michigan on it every year. They don't that doesn't happen uh, anymore. Um if I was a coach, I would want to take my team to Oxford so that they could see they could get they get a lesson, right? It wins and lessons, baby. That's I know I know you want to get every team to a bowl game, but I, I want to be able to to get 
Get you no, to see what happens. When it's you a play formula for me. Here, team. Here's the formula that I that I would advocate advocate for if I were uh, Jim Phillips or whoever's in charge of football in the league. Make the bottom of your league appear better, so it doesn't damage the top of the league when they play you. So, yes, Mississippi and Mississippi State are better football programs today than they were, let's just say, 15 years ago, okay? Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. But 15 years ago, when they were scheduling nobody and going 4-0 in the non-conference, well, when we got to October and you played Ole Miss or Mississippi State, man, they're 6-0 or they're 5-1. and Oh, they might even get rankings points. But we do we do this garbage, and by the time we get to uh, the end of September, uh, we got five teams who are under five hundred. That's that's what I want to stop. It's what I wanted. We we need to change in the ACC. In the ACC, we're different, right? We don't root for the conference. That's seriously like this is this is something that maybe uh, we should. No, this is something my friend Danny Cannell has has started to open up a a real like rip into vortex over on Sirius XM where it's like Peter Burns and Chris Doring on one side, Danny Cannell and Dusty Dvorak are on the other. And Dusty, who played at Oklahoma, Danny, who played at Florida state. Mm-hmm. They're like, we would never root for a rival or somebody else in our conference just so that we could beat our chest about our conference. And the SEC is all about rooting. You know, uh, Florida's Chris Doring is like, I was rooting for Georgia. Like, they were my favorite well, team. Danny doesn't team. need it, didn't need it when he played because Florida State was killing everybody, and it didn't matter who the league was. They were always better than everybody. But so ACC fans weren't rooting for Florida State like ACC ACC. Well, yeah, but he didn't need it because they were they didn't have to pretend that the league was better. They, everybody knew what Florida State was. That was that yeah. like I just don't think ACC fans are. I could be wrong, but I just don't think no, ACC. No. Fans we're are smarter than that, right? I use air quotes there. For the success of the conference. No, we're smarter yeah. than that. We, we like to pretend that we're smarter than that. Meanwhile, the league's getting laughed at. Because our records are, for the most part, pretty mediocre. I, I, I have to get to Urban Meyer. We only have a couple of minutes left uh, with Chip Patterson. So Urban Meyer gave his five best uh, college jobs based on recruiting, and he gave us six. Why can't Urban Meyer add or count? Uh, the, the prompt was <laughs> give us your five best jobs in all of college football right. and Brian, McFadden, this is on the all things covered podcast is right. Brian McFadden. It's Patrick Peterson and BMAC uh, teed him up by saying in terms of prestige, in terms of history, you know, like kind of setting him up to say like, this isn't an open job urban. We just want to hear like, what do you think are the best jobs? And right off the bat, urban's like, well, I'll tell you what, forget tradition, forget prestige, forget history. For me, it's all about talent. Right. And he needed to list Georgia, 
LSU. He gave Florida and Florida State as a tie. Uh, USC, and then who was the other one? LSU. That he had on? Yeah, and he was. It basically represented, honestly, everything that I saw. Oh, he put Ohio State on there. Yeah, Georgia, um, it was Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, and Florida State as a tie. Well, then we only should have one more then, Urban. Um, LSU, and USC. LSU and USC were the and, other two. But that's the way that Urban had like approached coaching, just as like a maniacal mm-hmm. accumulation of talent. That's all it's what he cared about. It's what really messed up the Big Ten when Urban arrived because, remember, the Big Ten had all of these gentlemen's agreements about how <laughs> – Nobody would, you know, if if one school is starting to talk to this player, you were going to stay out of it. And Urban was like, has he signed? No. Okay, right. well, I'm in his living room right now. Um, that sort of approach to talent accumulation is what made him great and ultimately wore him down at, uh, at both of his stops at winning national championships at Florida and Ohio State. It did not surprise me at all that Urban Meyer, despite playing at places, coaching at places with great tradition, that he has very little concern for tradition or prestige and that he's all about how many high school players are NFL prospects right. within a X number radius of campus. Said 300 that, miles, right? It's, it's how he views the world. That, um, no, that, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. And, and I also don't disagree with the fact that he didn't have Alabama uh, on his list. Alabama has proven over time to be coach-specific. We've had plenty of coaches who could not succeed at Alabama. It's kind of hard, you would think, to not succeed at Alabama. But but it's go- the same with Florida and Florida State. That is a ah, coach. I agree. That's USC. Clay Helton left that. I mean, he said, "Go, oh, you just you circle three hundred miles around the the campus there, at USC, right. and look at any guys you know go on to the NFL draft." It's like, well, Clay Helton was still ranked outside of the top fifty. Right. If I'm skating down <laughs> on twenty four seven sports and I have to click more on the team rankings to be able to load the next 50 to find USC. Something's gone wrong uh, there in Troy. Where's Texas on this list? I don't think Texas is a top five job. Really? Yeah. Because of the, because of the pressure or because you, there's a lot of talent in Texas. I'm told Texas and Texas A&M are the Spider-Man pointy meme (laughs) with all of the resources and all of the want to, and ultimately a trophy case that is so much smaller than their ambitions. Then it's just dysfunctional what they've done and how they operate. I, 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 who's, to say, who's to say? <laughs> I, thought, I think Austin is more attractive than College Station, and clearly yes. we've seen Texas reach peaks that Texas A&M has not reached. But ultimately, it goes back to they are similar in that they seemingly have limitless resources. The want to is so deep, and yet – the trophy cases are smaller than their ambition. Your trophy case is enormous. Chip Patterson <laughs> at Chip underscore Patterson, cover three podcast moderator, CVSports.com. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.